How? How did this happen? Screams a US fleet admiral as his minions back off, barely able to make eye contact. He points to the tactical display system that, to his and the USA's utter embarrassment, shows how a relatively cheap diesel-powered Swedish submarine just took out a multi-billion dollar US aircraft carrier loaded with supremely expensive next-generation aircraft. This should have been impossible. The ramifications in terms of future warfare paint a bleak picture for the US, or at least that's how the admiral feels. Fleet Admiral Samuel J. Koontz has a long and illustrious career in the US Navy. He's witnessed glorious triumphs and he's experienced crushing disappointment. He's old enough to remember the last time a US ship had a surface battle since World War II, when in 1988 after the USS Samuel B. Roberts struck a mine in the Persian Gulf and the US's retaliatory attack Operation Praying Mantis, the USS Simpson took out an Iranian frigate. It was target practice for the US, which destroyed half of the small Iranian navy in no time at all killing 56 of the enemy and losing only two of its own. It was too, too many for Kuntz. Men who didn't die in battle but crashed in the dark while aboard a helicopter gunship. God, that stayed in his mind for years. Immediately after, due to the heightened tensions, he had to deal with the guilt of the US Navy shooting down an Iranian civilian airliner. He could live with that. He wasn't in charge, he was just starting out. Since then, he's seen the US Navy only grow and strengthen character now being the most powerful navy in the world by a long shot. But Kuntz also knows the Chinese and Russians are no pushovers. He's watched as China has sunk billions into naval hardware, including submarines. Kuntz knows you should never sit on your laurels and let your guard down. And by God, has he just been taught a lesson in this regard. A $6 billion plus aircraft carrier taken out by a small diesel sub. What kind of message does this send to China and Russia? They must be grinning like Cheshire cats, he thinks as he snaps a pencil by accident, just contemplating it. There wasn't much Kuntz didn't know about this sub before becoming a huge poop pie in the face of the US Navy after literally running rings around the US carrier. It should never have happened. One thing about diesel subs compared to nuclear subs is just how vulnerable they are. That's because they have to come up for air quite often. They work through a process of internal combustion, which means every so often they need a blast of oxygen. That doesn't mean fully immersing themselves out of the water, but at least getting to a depth where the periscope is sticking out. The average periscope is about 60 feet, so that's still quite close to the surface. Imagine a diesel sub, like a whale. They need air. They actually have something called a snorkel, which lets the submarine breathe while letting out waste gas. It collects the oxygen, which is then used to recharge the batteries, so it can go down below again. This snorkeling business would generally have to happen every few days. So unlike a nuclear sub that runs on a nuclear reactor and can stay down for months at a time, diesel subs pose way more danger to the crew, who in times of war aren't really big fans of snorkeling. For Admiral Kuntz, a regular diesel sub poses no problem at all. The US Navy decommissioned its last diesel sub back in 1990. So in 2005, when Kuntz knew one was hot on the tail of a high-tech American ship, you'd think it wouldn't have been much of a problem. The 100,000-ton ship that actually moves very fast against a 1,600-ton submarine running on diesel, something worth a measly $100 million against something worth about $6.2 billion. Bear in mind that while $100 million might sound like a lot, it's the cost of just one F-35 stealth fighter that was on board that aircraft carrier, or perhaps two F-18 Hornets, and there were dozens of those on board. Now you can see why getting sunk by a $100 million submarine would be eternally embarrassing. But to Kuntz's credit, the sub that ran circles around the US ship wasn't an ordinary diesel sub. It had independent air propulsion or AIP technology, a brand new type of submarine tech. 
Not only are these systems really quiet compared to the old super noisy diesel subs, but they can stay submerged for weeks at a time like a nuclear submarine. They use liquid oxygen instead of regular oxygen, so they don't need to do that sketchy snorkeling business all the time. Kuntz and his men knew that they were up against a very, very quiet Stirling engine, whose 75 kilowatt battery is the battery that just keeps on going. Kuntz also is well aware that this particular enemy ship was fitted with something called magnetic anomaly detectors, 27 electromagnets that ensure the submarine doesn't give off its magnetic signature. On top of this, the hull is covered with a sonar-resistant coating, and the tower is shielded from radar using radar-absorbent technology. The inner workings are coated with special materials, mostly rubber, that make it hard for sonar to pick up. In short, compared to the diesel subs that came before it, this sub was a ghost, capable of anti-surface warfare and anti-submarine warfare. They're also fitted with the latest computer tech, making them just as good at intelligence collection, mine laying, and forward surveillance. As for firepower, they're no pushover in that department either. Packing Boforos underwater systems type 613 torpedoes, these have a range of around 12 miles. Their high-explosive warheads, weighing close to 650 pounds, are mightily destructive, as are the multi-role heavy torpedoes for surface and submarine targets. Moving at about 45 knots using a pump jet propulsion system, these Saab-designed weapons can classify and track several targets at the same time. So yes, Kuntz was under no illusion that he was up against anything but a very advanced piece of underwater machinery. He knew that there were possibly more weapon systems on this sub, such as the Saab Beaufort's Underwater Systems Type 43X2 lightweight multi-role torpedoes. He knew that this little sub could severely damage a ship as large as an aircraft carrier by launching multiple torpedoes at once, using a highly advanced system to hit various parts of the enemy ship. The phrase that springs to mind is silent but deadly. And with the defense systems just mentioned, including the Atlas Electronic Sonar Suite, Kuntz also knew these subs are not easy to detect. Even from a distance, the sub can launch several smart-deployed mines that will travel for miles autonomously and then activate from the seabed without humans needing to press the trigger. Being so small, 200 feet long, and 20 feet wide, you can only get about 24 men on them. Small has its advantages, though. These subs have been designed so well that they have incredible autonomous maneuverability. They are so sleek that someone once called them the F-16 Viper of the undersea combat world. That said, traveling only about 6 miles per hour when submerged and 20 miles per hour while surfaced, they shouldn't have been able to outrun Kuntz's aircraft carrier, which has a top speed of around 35 miles per hour. And at 6 million bucks, every bit of power and stealth on the Swedish Mayhem Maker should have been outmatched. When they went toe-to-toe, -to -toe, Mr. Kuntz soon discovered that the Swedes had more tricks up their sleeves than David Copperfield. They were as tricky as Harry Houdini, so much so that one of the men on Kuntz's ship walked away from the loss and told someone that the whole experience of being chased by an almost invisible beast was vastly demoralizing. Let's remember that the Swedes did this for a hundred million bucks, when the best nuclear subs out there cost billions, maybe three to six billion each. Kuntz and his crew just couldn't see the thing. None of the systems on the aircraft carrier, the best money could buy, were good enough. As one officer on the US ship later said, the Swedish sub was so silent, it literally did not exist to our sensors. Now, some of you might wonder how you have never heard of one of the USA's most expensive military assets being sunk by a relatively cheap Swedish submarine. Sweden and the US are not at war and certainly would never be firing shots at each other. On top of that, you probably would have heard something about it if a ship carrying thousands of men and close to a hundred incredibly expensive aircraft 
had been shot to pieces and sunk. We guess some of you already know that the aircraft carrier, the USS Ronald Reagan, didn't literally get blasted by the Swedes and sink. It's still around, in one piece, presently somewhere near Japan or South Korea. But everything we told you is based on the truth. It's just that when the Swedish submarine, the HSMS Gotland, did win that fight and really did run rings around the bigger ship, it was in a training exercise. It all happened, but the shots fired were simulations. What we told you about what people said about this experience is all true. The demoralization thing is real. Someone actually said that. It wasn't our dear old Fleet Admiral Kuntz because we made him up. But if Kuntz was real, you can be sure he would have been distraught because the Gotland really did hunt down the US ship with ease. At the time, the Gotland's AIP diesel engine was new technology. The Swedes were rather proud of it and the Americans were rather astonished when it did what it did. The submarine just could not be detected, and it could have used those weapon systems we told you about to seriously damage and possibly sink the expensive vessel and everything and everyone on it. In fact, the training exercise was replicated quite a few times, and every time, the Gotland ran rings around the Reagan. These exercises went on for about two years after the US had leased the sub and its crew from Sweden. Such a war game might sound like fun to you, but to the US military it was concerning. Sure, the US has its fair share of high-tech subs that are some of the best in the world if not the best, such as the Virginia class and the Seawolf class, but these things cost around $3 billion a unit. The UK, France, Russia, and China also have some very good and very expensive nuclear submarines. But Sweden really did upset the apple cart when it introduced its Gotland subs for so much less money than those nuclear subs. Sweden proved just how useful they were and how deadly if need be, and you can build a crapload of them for just the cost of one top-range nuclear sub. They might not have the endurance of a bigger nuclear sub, but that stealthiness cannot be underestimated. If Kuntz existed, he'd have every right to feel upset. Some pundits say that the US has a submarine shortage and it hasn't invested in enough of them, while countries such as China have been investing heavily in new diesel submarines. The country has at least two using the Stirling engine. Russia also has been working on its own fourth-generation diesel sub, the Lada-class Sankt Peterburg. All over Europe, countries have now produced AIP diesel submarines and are selling them as far as Pakistan and South Korea. Some are now larger, including the German Dolphin-class and the French Scorpion-class, but still, they'll set you back about $450 million, which seems it wasn't too much for the buyers in India, Malaysia, and Chile. You'd be in your rights to ask why the US isn't going down the same path, especially given the demoralizing time it had against the gauntlet. Why is the US sticking with submarines that cost billions and might not be that much more effective? The main reason is the US is more focused on having subs that can stay at sea for months on end and can traverse many thousands of miles. The US's nuclear submarines are much better at doing this than the new diesel subs, which are designed for shorter distances over less time. Plus, they can't keep up their high speed for as long as a nuclear sub. They are ideal for close combat warfare around a country's own waters, which the US naturally says it doesn't need. When it comes to ambushing and intelligence, they're almost perfect. That works out better if you have enemies near home, which the US doesn't. If the US does invest heavily in new submarines, it'll invest time and money into drone subs. Still, with China now reportedly making improved underwater machines, including the experimental and quite hefty diesel submarine the Qing-class, some people say it wouldn't harm the US to catch up in this department. After all, China, with the US, UK, France, India, and Russia, also have nuclear subs. Now the US is the only country out of those that doesn't have AIP subs. Does it really need them? China may have these impressive new stealth machines, but the US still has the upper hand if there was ever any battle at sea. 
not just in machinery terms, but for the simple fact that China has pretty much zero global maritime operations experience. Still, as China puts more bases in the South China Sea and in the Indo-Pacific region, there's a good reason why the UK and US have just made an agreement to share nuclear-powered submarine technology with Australia. China is totally behind in undersea warfare. It's a literal newbie, but its navy is no lame threat like it was not even that long ago, and it plans to expand massively in the run-up to 2035. But again, hardware is one thing, experience is another. The US should be glad to have lots of the latter, because no one can build ships as fast as China. The US Navy expects China's naval hardware to grow by 40% in the next 20 years. According to President Xi Jinping, China should be capable of fighting and winning wars before 2049. This is why some experts are pushing the US to keep building subs, reminding politicians that in naval warfare, the larger fleet almost always wins. If Admiral Kuntz were around, we know what he'd want. Starting with some US-made diesel subs, we reckon he wouldn't have believed the Chinese military when it recently said China has no intention of policing the world, unlike the United States. A realist by nature and a pessimist at heart, Kuntz would say everyone wants to police the world, and if there's one thing he's learned in his long life, it's you should always be wary of cops. Now you need to watch how few companies control the world with this tiny device, or have a look at China's plan for world domination.